Well, it is my privilege to introduce Danielle, Danielle Schmidt. For those of you who don't know Danielle, she's on staff here. And um, we figured last service that you've you volunteered for a couple of years, and now you've been on staff doing student ministry really for the last four years. Yeah. And so for the last six years, you've been involved with the kids, a lot of kids. Right. And including your own. And so we're so thankful. I, you know, one thing about Danielle that I will just say in introducing her, I am... You know, she brings passion and joy, and she makes everything better. I think she just jumps in, wants to do things really well, and contributes wherever she's asked, and so I really appreciate that about her. I also appreciate the fact that she's a PK. I know I'm kind of revealing a little bit about her story, but I see mom there out there, and, uh, you know, that just encouraged me as a dad who's a pastor, and kind of being able to see your story through through my kids' uh, eyes as well. And so uh, thank you for that. And um, I know you're going to be encouraged uh, by her story. And so thanks for doing that today. Absolutely. Thanks. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Those words are from Psalm 1914, and they're the words that introduce almost every sermon I heard when I was growing up. And I'm not here this morning to preach a sermon, but those words are still the prayer that I offer this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. My name is Danielle Schmidt, and I'm on staff here at Orchard in Grundy County, and I have the privilege of leading our junior high and high school youth groups. I'm married to a high-energy, distance-running physical therapist named Dana Schmidt, and now we have three boys. Brecken is 10, Parker is 8, and Lucas is 4. And just like their dad, they never stop moving. We'll talk more about them a little bit later, but let's go back a few years first. I was born to Bruce and Mary Zimmerman, and I'm the youngest of three girls. We lived in Reedland, Iowa until I was five, and then we moved to Wellsburg, Iowa. My sisters are much older than me, so when we moved to Wellsburg, my sisters are actually already starting college. And I haven't lived under the same roof as both of my sisters since I was five. My parents still live in Wellsburg today. Another important thing to know about me is that I'm a PK. And like Brian said, it's a pastor's kid. My dad is a Missouri Synod Lutheran church pastor, and he has been for over 55 years. He is now 81 years old and is still the sole pastor of a small Lutheran church in Wellsburg. I spent many Sundays sitting alone in the pew at church because my dad was in the front preaching and my mom was in the back playing the organ. And my dad is not the only pastor in our family. My grandpa and my two uncles were both Lutheran pastors, and my sister is married to a Lutheran pastor. So not only do I have a strong foundation for my faith, but my Missouri-centered Lutheran roots run deep. My mom and dad were, and still are, amazing parents. Of course, like any teenager, I didn't always appreciate what I'll call their old-fashioned ways at times, but they were molding me into exactly who I am today. I'm incredibly grateful for the strong faith foundation that I was born into. My family and I went to church and Sunday school every Sunday. We prayed before meals and bedtimes, and our family even sang the doxology at our family gatherings. 
But it wasn't just these common Christian practices that showed me how to live a life with Jesus. It was also the servant-hearted, selfless, God-fearing, faith-filled lives that I witnessed my parents and other adults in my life practicing on a daily basis. I often had the opportunity to serve alongside my parents for every function you can think of when being the family of a pastor. I watched my parents as they cared for everyone in every circumstance. They were the hands and feet of Jesus. At funerals, at weddings, at baby showers, ladies' aid, youth group, Red Cross, and more. They were witnesses of their faith, both in how they served and in how they spoke. We didn't have to be within the walls of the church building for my parents to speak about salvation through Jesus. That on the cross, Jesus' death and resurrection purchased for us a forgiveness and eternal life. A forgiveness that we do not deserve, and yet Jesus shows us grace upon grace. And I grew up watching my parents shine that light everywhere they went. And there's no question that I followed their example. There's no question that God chose them to raise me. Even though they may have thought God was a little crazy for giving a couple in their mid-40s the surprise of a spunky little girl. But God's plans always prevail. So to the parents in the room, questioning whether or not it matters bringing your kids to church, it matters greatly. And I'm proof of that. Is it possible to set a good example for your kids, even when you're competing against the distractions of this world? Yes. You are an influence to that child sitting next to you. They are watching you. So I hope your kids have an opportunity to see you living for Jesus outside the walls of this church. So anyway, as a PK, my dad baptized all of his daughters, and he officiated our weddings, and then he baptized my three sons. Um, and so I was raised in a very sheltered environment. I was raised in a family that spent a lot of time at church functions. My parents were in their mid-50s. And yet even with that, the story isn't one of rebellion. It's actually a story of blessings and surrender. Those who helped me prepare to share my story today encouraged me to write down a lot of critical incidents that have happened in my life things that have changed the course of my life or that I'll remember for a long time, things that have made me who I am today. So I wrote down a lot of memorable moments, and then I was supposed to separate the negative ones from the positive ones. And to be completely honest, I don't have a lot of really hard or negative moments that have happened in my personal story. But as I wrote this, I was reminded that doesn't mean I don't have a story. Even when life feels simple, God is always working. He's constantly guiding me and opening doors along the way. So it's not really my story I share with you today, but God's story in my life. Growing up, I sometimes felt like an only child. My sisters weren't around much. They were off starting their own young adult adventures. And I, on the other hand, was just beginning elementary school at Wellsburg Steamboat Rock. When I was in fourth grade, Wellsburg decided to consolidate with Ackley, so my parents knew we needed to choose between AGWSR or Grundy Center. So we spent some time pondering it and praying about it, and suddenly we settled on a new option. I attended a private school in Wellsburg called Timothy Christian for fifth through eighth grade. And I would learn this was an example of God having a plan for me that I had not even considered an option. 
Actually, God opening doors that I haven't knocked on has become a theme in my life. Not just opening those doors, but then nudging me to go in that direction. So after Timothy, I went to school right here in Grundy Center, and I was involved in everything. I get that from my mom. Four sports for four years, four years of speech, choir, band, academic groups, theater, you name it. And honestly, our class was pretty successful in our high school endeavors. I have a lot of sweet memories from Grundy that hopefully I'll remember for a really long time. Time with friends, great teachers, state appearances, state championships, musicals, late night studying, homecoming, dances, and more. When I was in high school, one of my favorite verses came from Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I'd already seen God's plans in motion, but it was almost as though I needed this verse to remind me of that. It was like I trusted God and I knew his plan, but as a teenager, I thought maybe I had a better plan, or at least God maybe wanted my opinion on the plans. An example of God's plans being different and better than mine involved high school volleyball. A little backstory, I definitely tried to quit volleyball after my freshman year of high school. I was pretty sure I made a better cheerleader than a volleyball player. But at almost six foot tall and being able to jump a little bit, my coaches talked me into sticking it out. And I'm thankful they did. God was going to use volleyball as a gateway to many of the future plans he had laid out for me. So my senior year, a coach from Minnesota State, Mankato, showed up to one of our volleyball games likely to recruit one of my teammates, many of who went Division I or Division II in college athletics. But somehow, after that game, he came over and talked to me about playing volleyball for the Mavericks. Not something I had set as a goal or even knew was an option or had planned on. Once again, not a door I had knocked on, but a door got opened and revealed as the next step for me after high school. So I have to pause there for just a second. Before I can talk about life after high school, I have to mention that a lot of my favorite Grundy Center High School memories actually involved my best friend. A friend who gave me rides on the back of their moped, a friend who convinced me to stop drinking pop, the friend who put my picture on their shirt for state basketball, a friend who claims they loved me long before I liked them, and by the week of my high school graduation, this friend finally asked me out, who, by the way, was only a sophomore at the time. And then years later, I married my best friend. So yeah, that's how I met Dana. Some of you may recognize him from the worship team, or maybe have had him as your physical therapist, but now you know the connection. So when he started his junior year of high school, I moved up to Minnesota State. And when Dana graduated high school, he joined me up in Minnesota. He ran cross-country and track there. And I played, Ma- played volleyball for the Mavericks for four years and studied business management. I chose a business degree because I really didn't know what I wanted to study, and business sounded like you needed to be organized and be a leader, and I liked the sound of that. So when I graduated college in 2009, I really didn't know what I wanted to do or where I was supposed to go, but God had a plan. Shortly after graduation, I got a call from Concordia University in Nebraska asking if I wanted to be the assistant volleyball coach there. So my sister, the one who married the pastor, He was, and still is, the campus pastor at Concordia. And my brother-in-law was not trying to get me a job. But one day, the volleyball coach randomly sat down with him at a table in the cafeteria, and God initiated a conversation. 
She needed an assistant coach, and my brother-in-law knew someone who may have graduated with a business degree but spent more time studying volleyball. So not only did I know volleyball, but I was a Lutheran pastor's kid. That is like icing on the cake for working at Concordia. So I packed my bags, and I moved from Minnesota to Nebraska. And I got to live with my sister for the first time since I was five. I didn't even realize how special and important that would be in our relationship. And not to worry, Dana, my then-fiancé, got to come with me. He applied to Concordia and received a running scholarship. God, being God, had plans for Dana in Concordia as well. He was an exercise science major who at Concordia got to learn about the human body from professors who gave full credit to the Creator while still teaching the intricate details of the subject. And to brag on him for a second, he also became a six-time All-American runner at Concordia. The coaches and team there instilled a passion for running inside of him that he still carries with him today, and now he gets to share with other young runners. So after a year at Concordia, Dana and I got married, and I became the assistant director of student life while still coaching volleyball. And this new student life position came with a perk, free housing on campus, which financially was a huge blessing, and it sounds pretty great, but to be clear, that means we spent our first year of marriage living in the basement of a freshman boy's dorm. So, however, it has made us appreciate any housing arrangement we've had to endure since then. My time in Nebraska taught me that God orchestrates amazing plans for our lives. God brought us to Nebraska, gave us opportunities to grow in relationship with Him and each other, gave Dana a Christ-centered education, gave me lasting memories with my sister and her family, and allowed us to coach and compete on athletic teams where they agreed that striving for Jesus was a much better victory than anything we were pursuing on the court that night. Not only that, but for the first time, I got to worship and search for Jesus with hundreds of people my own age. I think prior to that, I kind of thought that Christians and Lutherans were kind of old people, but at Concordia, in daily chapels, I heard students engaging the Bible and singing and worshiping together. God did something in my heart during those two years, and I thought he was showing me how cool it was to be with Jesus amongst people of my own age. But actually, I think he was introducing me to youth ministry. I may have gotten older, but the people that I continue to love to talk to Jesus about continue to be teens and young adults. So after two years at Concordia, Dana was ready to start pursuing his doctorate in physical therapy, and it was my turn to follow him to school. So being a runner, a part of his heart has always been in the mountains. He applied and interviewed at multiple colleges, but really wanted to go to the University of Northern Arizona in Flagstaff. But we were disappointed to find out that he was put on the wait list for Arizona PT school. However, he got into Des Moines University right away. After not hearing anything from Flagstaff, we planned our move to Des Moines. And after we'd already relocated to Des Moines, then Arizona called and he had gotten in. But we knew by then God had paved a path for us to return to Iowa. Over the next three years, I worked in student life in a small college in Des Moines, and we had our first son, Brecken, like Breckenridge, Colorado. And Dana graduated from DMU in 2014. He had done an internship in Boone, Iowa, and we knew of a small Lutheran church and elementary school there, so we moved there. We went there for three years, and that's where we had our second son, Parker, like Park City, Utah. And I was a stay-at-home mom while still coaching volleyball. 
By the end of Dana's third year in Boone, he was just desiring a new challenge, and his heart was still in the mountains. He had just named his first two children after mountain towns. So he applied for a job where? Flagstaff, Arizona. Without even meeting Dana in person, they offered him the job, and we were prepared to fly out to Arizona for, in a couple of weeks to just finalize some job details and look for housing. But then days later, Grundy Center Memorial Hospital called. They wanted Dana to come back home and be a PT here. We were really taken by surprise, and Dana was not too keen on going back home. But we said we'd think about it, and we'd get back to them after we got back from our Arizona trip. We knew that in the past, God has worked in our lives through surprise, unexpected events. But was this really what God was doing here? We knew Dana loved running and his heart was in the mountains and we had these little boys who would also love the mountains. So we still felt like God was leading us to Arizona. But then the next day, my mom called and she was so excited about this idea of her grandkids being closer to home. After that, Grundy Hospital called again, made a better offer and told us not to get on the airplane. Now, as a stay-at-home mom, I was like, job or not, I'd like to get on a plane with my husband to go to Arizona for the weekend at least for a getaway. But here I am today, so I guess we didn't get on that plane. We knew God was calling us to Grundy, but honestly, we couldn't figure out why. But God quickly removed any doubt we had about coming back to Grundy. Within weeks of making that decision to move home, God began to reveal some of the plans he had for us in Grundy. We were able to buy a house that wasn't on the market, and we moved in three days before our oldest started kindergarten. Steph Roller called to ask if Dana would be part of the high school youth group, and I said, yeah, if I can join too. And that first year in Grundy, I got to help coach volleyball and then coach basketball, which is something I had never coached before, but when the assistant coach had a stroke, I got called to help, another door I had not knocked on. Then both of those teams went to state, and I got to feel that incredible, unique support of a small community again. I subbed at the school, Dana helped with the running programs, and we were expecting our third son, Lucas, like Cabo San Lucas. All of that happened in our first year in Grundy, and all of that would only have been possible by us trusting God's plan. And it was just the beginning of what God was calling us to do in our next phase of life. The five years that have followed have been busy, but also blessed with God's gracious gifts. And one of his greatest gifts to me has been letting me and my family serve here at Orchard Hill Church. As I mentioned, Dana and I were asked by Steph Roller to volunteer for Friends First. That's our high school youth group here in Grundy Center, similar to a big house that you might have heard of in Waverly or Cedar Falls. So fun fact, Steph actually started Friends First back when Dana was in high school with Dana and a handful of his friends, two years before Orchard even had a campus in Grundy, before the theater days. And after volunteering with Steph for a couple of years, Steph then felt like she was called to new ministries. So I was asked to sit on the interview panel as we searched internally for someone to fill her role. And the interviewees were great. But all I could hear that night when I sat through the interviews was the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to do this job. I've been molding you for this ministry. Student life, coaching, subbing, pastor's daughter. I've been preparing you for this. This is where I'm calling you to serve. And I also remember that just a few weeks prior to that, I had said, God, I love being a stay-at-home mom, but I need another challenge. What is the next thing? Where can I serve you? Here I am. 
So as I walked out of the interview room that night, Brian Steenhook asked me to stay for a few minutes. I figured he wanted my input on the interviews. But as we talked, I realized that perhaps the Holy Spirit was speaking to both of us that night. In the same moment of me asking if the job was only open to internal applicants, he asked if I'd consider applying. Long story short, I joined the Orchard Hill staff part-time and started leading our high school youth ministry, loving every minute of it. Now the same teens that I got to work with in the classroom and on the court, I was also getting to share with them about Jesus. Two years later, the chaos position came open, and that's our sixth, seventh, and eighth grade group that we have here, and I wondered who would lead chaos, or maybe I should lead chaos instead of friends first. But God said, actually, I want you to do both, friends first and chaos. I wasn't looking to go full-time. I couldn't even understand how one person could do both of those ministries. But God made it clear that that was the next step he had for me. And he reassured me of that by giving me the most amazing adult leaders on Wednesday nights to do it with me. So I said, okay, God, if it's your will, I will do it. Over and over, God has said to us, here's a bunch of teenagers, go do life with them. And we've said, okay. God, we've got our hands full with three little boys. Dana now opening his own PT clinic, coaching, subbing, volunteering, and more. But if you say we can handle it, then we surrender our energy and our days and our abilities and our future to you. And that's been our prayer over the last six years since we came to Grundy. Surrender. For me and my God-given personality, being able to surrender anything is hard. If I had to describe myself in two words, it would be planning and a controller. Remember my favorite verse in high school? It was about plans. I have a plan for everything that I'm a part of, not just a plan, but I have thought through the nitty-gritty details of that plan, not just in my home, but pretty much everywhere I go. I plan in advance. I plan for the what-ifs. I plan a way to communicate my plan. I like to believe that makes me a great leader, but I think it makes me a little bit of a controller. And I love to have a good plan and give a little input, and therefore I love a little control. And that's where the miracle has happened. There's just no good way to explain how God took this controlling, detail-oriented young female leader and has taught me to surrender. But that's what he does every day. And I actually love surrendering to the life God's planned for me. Truthfully, I wrote my story a few weeks ago, and since then I have faced challenges that have required me to practice surrender. And as I look back, I realize I was raised by parents who set an example for me of surrendering their lives to God's plan. And I'm called to do the same. Actually, I can serve here at Orchard Hill Church today because my parents have chosen to surrender to God's plan. I don't know if you knew this, but Orchard Hill Church is not Lutheran. Uh, And it does not follow all the same practices of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Yet my parents have come to our Wednesday night ministries They've assured me that this is exactly where God's calling me to serve, right here in this place. They see Dana and I working in the lives of teenagers, and they thank God for the work he's given us to do. Women don't stand up and preach in our Lutheran church, yet my parents are supportive of me standing here today and telling you my story. They put God's kingdom and his unique plan for each of us ahead of any traditions they may have raised me with. You see, they didn't raise me to be Lutheran, They raised me to know Jesus as my Savior. And I pray that through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I can raise both my own children and these teenagers that God's put into my life to know that Jesus. A Jesus that loves them 
and has died for them and offers eternal life to all of those of us that choose to put our trust in him. I pray that in this church and in our homes, we can establish foundations of faith where we say yes to what God offers us, where we trust that God's plans are better than our own and we seek opportunities to serve him. As I open my life to all the places God's calling me to serve, I often lean on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The message version of the same verse says, God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. And it's amazing what God can do in and through us. We just use the gifts he's given us. So have you considered how maybe you could use the gifts God's given you to serve his kingdom? So I obviously can't share my whole story in under 25 minutes. I didn't talk about how marriage can be really hard and how I can't imagine where Dana and I would be today without Jesus as the foundation of our marriage. I didn't talk about parenting and how most weeks I spend more time preparing activities for teenagers than I do for my own kids. But God working in simple, powerful, life-changing ways is the part of my story that God called me to share today. And I don't try to understand why. However, I told a close friend that I was working on my story and that the theme simply seemed to be following God's plans for my life. And she said, that's so encouraging to me, that my story doesn't have to be filled with hardship to be significant. Which means God doesn't have to pull us out of the muck and mire to be working in your life. That idea and the words of my friends echoed in my heart as I've written my story. I didn't ask if I could speak at Stories from the Seats. Dave Bartlett just asked me if I would share. And I knew when he asked me that the Holy Spirit had already been working in my heart to do just that. Another door I had not knocked on. So I pray today that you will see God's desire to work in your life. I pray we will look for the doors that he's opening and the people he's asking you to care for and choose to live for him. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord. Thank you. Well, thank you, Danielle, for sharing your story. And uh, thank you for being courageous enough to walk through those doors even when you didn't know they were there or open and just trusting God in the middle of all that. I'm going to pray for her. We're going to sing a couple more songs. So uh, let's pray together. God, we thank you for Danielle. We thank you for the work that you've done in her life and will continue to do in her. Thank you for her trusting heart and for her willingness to follow you wherever you lead. And thank you too for her family. Thank you for Dana and the boys. Thank you for her parents and her uh, extended family for their witness and their willingness to share uh, their faith with each other and encouragement with each other. Lord, we, we look and we give thanks for families, for opportunities that we have, Lord, to learn together and to encourage one another. And God, I lift up to you, Danielle, today. I thank you for her life and her witness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say together, amen.